Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. Her resume is pretty impressive. She is a Forbes contributor, listed on top 75 LinkedIn voices for job seekers and senior manager with more than 35 years in the corporate world. But from December 2019, she is a business owner, helping senior creatives and marketers to find 80% of jobs not posted online. Her name is Lauren Greif. So Lauren, thank you very much uh, for... Uh, for spending some time with us uh, today on our LinkedIn Smart podcast, and uh, yeah, it will be it will be uh, absolutely fantastic to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I am now international. Woo-hoo! Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Lauren, uh, can you can you um, can you tell us a little bit more about you and LinkedIn? Um, how um, has it started and all that? Absolutely. Um, so I've pretty much been living on LinkedIn for uh, over 10, 12 years. I was living on it when I was a recruiter. And then last March, uh, March of 2020, I launched my own business. And so it became, you know, I used it as a recruiter to clearly find both passive and active candidates. And then as I have been growing my business, it has become a, a business engine, really, really, uh, the, probably the most, I would say over 90% of my clients have found me or I even have reached out to them and, and have been building a lead funnel um, for my own business. So it works in both directions. Um, as you mentioned, you, you were living on, on LinkedIn or, or you, still, you still are living on, on LinkedIn, I believe. Um, um, but uh, I, would like to, I would like to get a little bit back to those, to those um, uh, times where, because you were recruited before, right? You mentioned that uh, on the, you know, in the December last year, you, you finally you know, uh, changed your job, but we will get to that. Uh, prior to this, you used LinkedIn for uh, what it was originally uh, originally used for, right? Like for recruiters, you know, how was it? How was it those times? And uh, can you tell us a little bit more? Because we don't, we don't usually go there. Oh yes. So um, I think it's over 700 million people now. I was, I have been quoting about six, seven, 675 million people are on LinkedIn. Naturally, not everybody is, is active, but the most important thing for anybody. And as a recruiter, I, I was not, when I said living on LinkedIn, I have a specification from a job description that I am there to go and ideally match. And my responsibility as a recruiter is clearly to find all of the hard skills and then make some, you know, reasonable assumptions about some of the softer skills. So for example, if I, I remember I had a candidate in, um, in conversation after I found him on LinkedIn, he mentioned to me that he had had an internship working at NASA. And I did not see that on his LinkedIn because it wasn't there. And so I said to him, why did you not put this on LinkedIn? Why didn't you put it there? And he said, well, it was such a long time ago. You know, I didn't think that it would be that important. And I said, you're wrong. 
<laughs> you're absolutely wrong because having having that experience says a lot more about you than the actual experience. It says that you are one of very, very few people who have this rare opportunity. And as an intern, here you are getting trained by some of the greatest minds in the whole entire world. And so why wouldn't you do that? It speaks to leadership. It speaks to a, a level of, um, it's kind of a, a, an elite level of knowledge. And, and, and you want to leverage that. And he did put it back, he put it back in there. And then, you know, I, I know that he, you know, it was, it was definitely a great magnet or a great anchor, certainly a wonderful talking point. So there's a lot that recruiters can, can decipher and glean just by looking at a LinkedIn, your volunteer activities, for example, those are wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, ways that things are able to speak for you larger than your ideal, you know, skill sets that, that are given. We, we expect that if you are a creative person or you're a strong marketing person, that you're going to have, you know, the, the ideal or the listed job skills. Hmm. But what we're looking for is above and beyond that. Sure. Um, I would say that's that NASA thing, which you mentioned, it's kind of like a USP of your company, right? Like a, something, something very, very important. Um, what is the mindset of recruiter when uh, he or she is on on the LinkedIn? What the what what the recruiter is looking for? Um, what we as a um, as a potential potential employees or job seekers? Uh, what we you know um, what what we can what we can do better in order to attract um, the Excellent. you know. So um, I want you to pretend that you're a recruiter. And you have, let's just say, 10 or 12 open roles that you're working on at any given time. And so your job as a job seeker is to make the recruiter's life easier mm -hmm. because they are dealing with incredible amount of volume. And their job, of course, is to cherry pick out the ones that are really the best because they're being evaluated on how well they are able to present a matched candidate to their client. So your job on LinkedIn or anywhere else, even as you're interviewing, is to make sure that in, that experience that you have is telegraphic mm -hmm. so that they are able to pick that up so quickly and they have a reduction in the amount of work that they need to do, whether it's like scraping down to the very bottom to find out, you know, how many direct reports you have or, you know, some of your key metrics that doesn't work <laughs> because there's too many people that are not only doing it well, but also because the time is just so limited and, and it's always a, a beat the clock kind of um you know, methodology, you're always looking for the best, the fastest. And um, so, you know, make it telegraphic is, is the most important thing. And, you know, a, a dear friend of mine talks about the fab four, right? Your photo, your, your, your headline, your banner, and your about section. Mm -hmm. So all of those things, especially in that, you know, most primary area of real estate are things that you want to make sure are airtight. They should be an A++. You should not be skimping or, you know, having a 
blurry picture or one that looks away from the camera or anything like that, because that's going to, again, derail a recruiter. Mm -hmm. um, a part of those, um, those, you know, quite obvious things which you just mentioned, you know, the Fab Four um, means the profile, photo, your headline, your banner and about section. What, what are the other section which uh, um, the recruiters are usually paying attention to? Yeah, well, sure, surely your work experience um, and also the skill set, you know, the, the hard skills, even, you know, past endorsements, that, that has become an even better thing. The other thing that is critical, and I know that this is gaining a lot of momentum with recruiters and with hiring managers, is what are you writing about? What are you posting? What activity are, are you generating that demonstrates that you are an expert in your craft or even you don't even have to be an expert what do you have to say because using LinkedIn as kind of like a one and done oh I just throw this up there and then I get to walk away isn't exactly participating in the conversation which could say to a hiring manager or even a recruiter this is somebody who's not necessarily super proactive. This doesn't necessarily demonstrate a level of um, proactivity or assertiveness in terms of what they're able to share and what they're able to give um, of their expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that uh, the life of recruiter is um, all about timelines, you know, um, fast paced thing. Um, so that's why it kind of like it puzzles me uh, do recruiters they really do they do they really read the profiles? Do they really go through it, or do they just simply skim through the, you know the top things and uh, and kind of you know I, I'm I'm just let tell me tell yeah. me how is it so, how is it? So it's um you know it's it, it starts off with a very wide net, right? And your job is to take that wide net and narrow it down. So usually when you're going to do a, a your first presentation to a client, you come up with what's called a slate. Mm -hmm. The slate is probably a, you know anywhere between five and six good candidates on the first round. And then it'll go through various iterations as they concurrently are interviewing them. But in that first slate, you're going to have A, B candidates. They may have some qualities. They may be a little bit outside. That's okay. But my point here is that, that once you identify that first slate, you're going deeper and deeper and deeper. So you're refining as you're going because you're getting feedback from the client and they're saying too much of this, not enough of that. And so you're, you're fine tuning as you go along. But any, any way it goes, an answer to your question is there's almost an initial scan if that looks good, I'll invest more time. If that looks good, I'll want to have a conversation. If that looks good, we'll go present to the client. Mm -hmm. So it, it goes through its its iteration and its phases of qualification. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Uh, what what kind of like a, came to my mind right right now? It's um, I've heard it somewhere. You know, don't don't um, recruit for the skill sets. Recruit for the attitude. Um, so, so I'm kind of like you're wondering, you know, how 
to project this attitude through our, our LinkedIn profile because that's uh, where usually recruiters go to and, and kind of like a figure out, you know. So, so how to, you know, you can, you can, um, you can put there all your skills, all your, you know, all your work, ex work experience and all these kind of different things. But, you know, how to add this, this flavor of the attitude, you know? Um. That's a great question. And there are actually a lot of opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. The about section is not a regurgitation or a repeat of the, you know, the key objective that's in your resume. That's where you get to tell your story. That's where you can infuse attitude, personality. I have many people that talk about things, clients, friends I know, colleagues, my profile doesn't really talk about, oh, and I had an 85% fill ratio when I worked on this and this and this. It talks about my, my journey to developing my own business, how I had lived in this kind of um, conflict, internal conflict of knowing that the hiring process was broken and then still participating in it and how eventually I had to, you know, bust a move and, 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 and you know, live in integrity to, to do something that I thought was right. So that's a place where you can not only insert that attitude, but even some levels of vulnerability. I, I use an example, if you ever see Ira Wolf's, um, he's a very, very uh, analytical guy that talks about how he's afraid, you know, he's afraid and, and that vulnerability actually makes him more attractive mm -hmm. because he's able to insert um, his level of personality and, and a, a behavior where he's completely transparent. But also in addition to that, of course, outside of the about section, everything that you're posting can share a spirit of who you are. Mm -hmm. all, all your posts, even your comments. When I comment, I, I make it a point. I, I, I do, sometimes I need to go back and do a little legwork or some research but I don't on a, on a regular practice provide throwaway comments. I want every comment or as many comments as I possibly can to be extending a, a level of value. Mm. And so that is not to be under, undermined at all. Commenting and, and your attitude can be sprinkled wherever you go. And since the platform is, is so active, it doesn't take long, as you know, for it to start to snowball and build and people start to know you for that thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting. Um, especially when you talk about, about uh, the profiles and profiles some high executives. Um, uh, I, I come across few a few people who um, told me that you know I rather write my profile in a third person because it it looks more professional for me and uh, I rather put there this my CV because if I put there a story I feel like you know it's not really very professional. What what would you say about about that to those kind of people? I I, I don't agree with it. I, I know that from the hiring manager's perspective and, and even from my own clients, they, they don't want to be a piece of paper. <laughs> they, and, and, and no company at this time is looking for somebody to just fill a hole. Mm. They're looking for somebody who's going to 
add a level of contribution and certainly somebody who is invested in transforming their business. And the skills alone, this is how the game has changed. It used to be, oh, just brush up your resume and, you know, and, and go apply all these places. And, you know, eventually something wonderful is going to show up. Um, if you want wonderful, you have to be wonderful and you have to let people know what that wonder is. And it's, it's, it's above and beyond just the function of the job. So I would, I would say that I, I don't necessarily agree with it. And as um, more mission-based and purpose-based opportunities are in demand from clients and more companies are, are driving towards that, they're looking for people with a level of commitment and passion to whatever cause or service they are providing. And, and again, that isn't, that's going to come from the heart. Sure. It's going to come from the heart. That's going to come from examples of how this is executed in, in, in everyday life. Right. Um, what, um, I, I know, I know that, sorry, I'm still kind of like a sticking in, a, in your past, but don't, don't worry. We're going to, we're going to cover the, <laughs> your current situation as well. Uh, I'm just wondering about, about this. Uh, I'm not, I'm never been uh, an employee. So, so I don't really necessarily share the shoes of, of the job seekers out there, but uh, I wanted to ask what, what is actually the, uh, you as a head, uh, like a, as, a, as a recruiter, um, when you're looking at the headline, what is, what is standing out? You know, what is something which catches your attention right there? Um, is it some keywords or, or do you have any, any, any tips or tricks, you know, how to, how to write the perfect headline for, for the job seekers? Sure. And um, headlines, headlines come in essentially two different varieties. There's the keywords. So marketing director or, you know, project manager. We know that. And then there's the narrative headline. And the narrative headline typically gives away the problem, the primary problem that you as the candidate know how to solve. And so why that is so important is because if you just go ahead with the keywords, you become a generic. Mm -hmm. How many marketing directors are there? How many project managers are there? So ideally you want to you want to classify and, and characterize the keywords. So you'd say digital marketing manager or um, demand generation, and you'd be able to be more specific. Mm -hmm. But the problems that you solve, whether they be for revenue or efficiency or, or you know, I don't particularly like this one, but we're, we are seeing it a lot, growth hackers, mm -hmm. um, you know, lead generation, all of those start to unravel the kinds of, of things that you do ideally better than somebody else. Uh, as far as I, I just use a narrative headline. And the reason why I do that is, is by design. I do not want to use the word job coach because it's been oversaturated and I, I, I'd, I'd like to be differentiated on that level. And I also use my very specific target. I, I work exclusively with senior level creatives and marketers, and I help them find the 80 to 85% of the jobs that are not posted online. Mm 
-hmm. in the hidden job market. So essentially the problem that I solve is the one that we all know about, which is if you go through job boards and applicant tracking systems, it's a crapshoot. And most people are, they have some awareness of the hidden job market, but most people are also not fully aware of the level and, and the depth of inventory that is not posted online. So it becomes a very curious uh, and, and you know, a, it's, it's a good way to arouse a level of interest because now, now they're scratching their head. They're like, what are you talking about? And then it forces them to read more. Right. Um, you mentioned it already uh, earlier that, um, you know, last year in December, you had this um, eureka moment, I guess, um, if, I, if I may, if I may it <laughs> call it like that. Moment. You're right on. <laughs> and um, you quit your job uh, you did before and then you you did, you went full on into your into your own business how was it and um, and yeah tell us a little bit more about that thank you it was um it was a terrifying experience it really was it was definitely one of those eureka moments uh, at a crossroads I had had a long time in the corporate world. I've been in the corporate world for 30 something years. And so I knew how to do my job. I just didn't necessarily understand how to run it as a business. And they're very different, which is, which is what I found. And uh, since March of this year, so I spent two months in proof of concept and went back to a lot of the hiring managers that I had previously worked with and a lot of the candidates that I had previously placed to get some feedback and to do some you know, research about what the demand was, what was needed in the marketplace. Because if I'm just building a business because I think it's a good idea, it's not gonna work. Mm -hmm. So I really needed to test that out and, and hear some hard truths, which was, which was great and, and helpful. And so then in March, I fully launched. And since then, I have brought about 40, I think it's 47, it could be 48 people through my program since March. And uh, learned about 18 different software programs, which is, is, has, been, has been fun and challenging. I recently hired a virtual assistant, thank goodness. And I, it's been wonderful, um, absolutely wonderful. And it would not be wonderful without LinkedIn. Yeah. Because the LinkedIn community, of course, this is how we met. And so many, so many, so many incredible colleagues and people who are just beyond supportive have really lifted me up in, in times where I felt like I wanted to quit. And, and they have kept me going and have just been so generous with all of their help and comments and inviting me to podcasts and things like that. So... Um, I'm a hugely grateful person for all of it. Yeah, it's actually very, very interesting your story because um, from, from a person who was using um, uh, LinkedIn for the recruit, recruitment uh, or the recruitment um, side of thing, uh, now you're becoming a business owner and you are using LinkedIn in order to attract, uh, you know, probably people to your business, right? Um, is it, is it very, very different? Uh, did you have to switch your mindset completely or uh, so? So how, how was it? So up until maybe a month ago, uh, I had done no outreach. 
all of my clients had found me. And they found me because I am very active on LinkedIn. I'm active in generating my own posts, original content every day, usually six times a week at least, sometimes every day, seven days a week. And also very active in other people's and, and participating. So it's a very reciprocal platform. It, it loves on itself. So the more love you give it, the more love you get. And I think that there's a real maybe misperception or misunderstanding that, you know, you just have to go out there and dip your toe in and all of a sudden all these magical things are going to show up. It's a lot of work. It really is. And I suffer sometimes from not knowing what I'm going to say, even though I keep all kinds of notes for, for daily content. What is it that my, that my audience is, is going to want? What do they crave? What do they need to know? What's helpful for them? What's going to, you know, bring them a smile at the end of the week, you know, so I'm constantly trying to, to read my audience is very important and also be of service to anybody who, who, you know, I can. So I am much more of a um, contributor than I ever was as a recruiter. I would use, use that simply as a recruiting tool but I never was invested in building my own brand or necessarily commenting on other people's as a participant. Mm -hmm. So that has changed from, you know, somebody who was more of a function into more of a content creator, into more of a brand leader, into more of a, you know, a colleague amongst my colleagues and serving my audience. So it's definitely changed. If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. The year 2020 um, still is not really very, <laughs> um, very comfortable, I would say. Um, it's a bit challenging uh, for, many, for many people and especially for uh, people, uh, for job seekers, right? Like, uh, because uh, many people lost their jobs, many people trying to find the jobs, many people turn to, to LinkedIn for, for, for help in that sense. And LinkedIn has been doing some, some steps, you know, with the open to work and, uh, you know, job search and all these, all these kind of things. Um, how do you, how do you find 2020 from the perspective of a, of a job searching and job seeking activities? So I cannot imagine. I mean, I actually can't imagine because my clients are talking about that all the time. The emotional roller coaster, the ups and downs. How do you stay motivated? How do you deal with imposter syndrome? How do you, you know, overcome a series of rejections and 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 get back up? So I in no way want to minimize or marginalize that, but I also believe that this is a, a test of character, and it is also a huge opportunity to really test yourself. In, in determining what it is and what is your why. Because when you know what your why is, it can, it can override a lot of fear 
and it can certainly override a lot of procrastination because you have a burning desire. You're like a bloodhound. You need to do that. And um, even all the noise and all the distractions and yes, it's been a crazy year and, and things are on lockdown and it appears that there are very few jobs, but if you get sucked into that, it makes it a lot harder. So stay away from anything negative is usually one of the key pieces of insights that I, that I share. Stay away from anything negative. Don't, if, if the news is bringing you down, stay away from it for a couple of weeks. You know, don't listen to sad, sappy songs that are gonna make you cry. You know, find ways, find ways to keep your spirits up and, and use, use people, whether it's your friends or people that you're networking with, to be clear about your highs and lows so that they also have permission to share that and you lift each other up at different times because not everybody's always up and down at the same time and you need those people. Support is, is no joke. Uh, I have walked through very difficult times in my life and I couldn't do it with the without the people around me. So don't be afraid to ask for help. We all need help. I need help. You know, it's, it's, it's totally fine. What, what I think job seekers suffer from is, you know, I'm going to do this myself. I don't have to do, you know, I don't, I don't have to, um, I don't want to look bad or I don't want to seem like I'm needy. Be needy. You, you're, you need it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Be human because it will be welcomed and supported. And most of that, most of the fear is kind of between the years, not necessarily in real life. Mm -hmm. um, when you took your leap of faith um, uh, last year, um, you, you talk about uh, the broken system in, uh, in uh, uh, the recruitment system or the recruitment process. What did you, what did you mean? So what I, what I mean by that is that there are the motive and, and, the, and the purpose of a recruiter is to fill a position for a client quickly and within a certain budget. My job is to make a client happy. My job is not to make a candidate happy at the same level. It's really about pleasing the company who I work for because that's who, it, who is paying my bills and also where I'm getting my commissions and compensation. And by virtue of that, the better I do my job, the better they look. So the only people that are losing out are the people who the, candidate, the client has not selected. So what happens to the glut of people that are not awarded that job? What happens to them? Yes, they're in the database. Yes, they are, you know, they could be selected for other opportunities and reallocated to, to open other open roles. But what happens to that person who has invested, let's just say 10 hours, 10 hours of interviews and all the other work that they're doing on the side to prep? What happens to that person? And that's what kept me up at night is I'm talking to all these people and then I am in a position where I'm telling them, thanks, you did great, but the client has decided to go with this other candidate and now you have one of two choices. Either you go back out and start from scratch yeah. or you wait in our database until we have another role that's going to 
you know, be open and available to you. So either way, there's a, there's a break, right? There's a stall, there, there, there may be. And my interest is really in the candidate. Mm -hmm. And I want to see everybody who is in a position where they are either looking for an opportunity or pivoting to a new opportunity for whatever reason um, to love what they do. Not to have a J-O-B, not that there's anything wrong with doing what you need to do, but to really love their work because people who love their work perform better and they're happier. Sure. And so that was, that was the impetus behind that. But isn't that just the part of the job? I mean, the part of the, you know, part of the system. It, it's just like, I would, I would expect that as a, as a job seeker seeking for a job, I, I can't expect that, um, you know, I will land a job, right? Like that's, that's, you know, I, I would feel that, you know, I understand your, your concern for, for them, for the, for the emotional turmoil and all these, all these kind of things. On the other hand, you know, me as a job seeker, uh, which, which I never was, so, so I'm sorry, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but um, I would think, okay, fine, like I'm investing my 10 hours here, but I can't really predict, um, you know, 100% that I will land a job. So, so there needs to be some kind of... Um, you yes, know. either way, yes, of course, of course, it's what they sign up for, right? They, they know that. But at the same time, they have real pressures and, and, and they may have a toxic boss, they may have um, thousands of reasons why they want to move or why they want to be working again. And that wears on you over time. Um, and it, it just exacerbates and, and increases the level of fear. And so there's, you know, in my opinion, it's, it's, you never want to turn such a huge decision and put it in somebody else's hands. So mm -hmm. the idea is to take some control back and yes, it's more work, but that ownership is going to yield you so many more, um, aligned results yeah so. yeah actually it's it's nice that you're talking about about this uh, about the ownership of of that decision and uh, you know placing the decision to the hands of someone else uh, rather than you know being in control of that or at least in some to some extent right um, uh, so what can I do in terms of a LinkedIn and LinkedIn you know environment in order to to be at least a little bit in a control sure so the easiest and best place to start is understanding who the leaders are within your particular vertical, right? So find out who those 10, 15 people are who are trailblazers, who are really, you know, disruptors in the area, who are people listening to? and start watching what they're posting and become part of the conversation after you start you know, watching. And it's okay to lurk for a little while before you actually dive right in. I understand that not everybody is gonna you know, jump right in the middle of a, you know intense conversation. But as you start seeing what those conversations are all about, it will leave a lot of clues and you might be able to find more through any research that you do. And research can be listening to podcasts. Like I, you know, I, I've, I've watched several of your, of your past shows and, and I, I will always do that. I actually find 
great people to follow and connect with and actually build relationship from podcasts mm -hmm. or of course from articles and comments. So there's lots of, you know, germs that are, I shouldn't use that with COVID. There's lots of um, clues and pieces that are available. It's just, what are you picking up on? Mm -hmm. And what are, you, what are you taking and taking it to the next level, to the next level, to the next level? Mm -hmm. But the idea ultimately is to take that conversation that lives online and take it offline. Mm -hmm. uh, would you actually advise some of some of those people who are looking for a job to uh, to go actively after the the recruiters or the HR people or the or, or the you know the C level managers you know and and do some you know what 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 can what can they do? So what you can do is a lot of things. You can be proactive and you can, and you can reach out to them, but I wouldn't do that unless you're clear about what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. Not just like, Hey, connect with me for no reason. That, that, that's not, that's not going to ingratiate somebody to want to, you know, have a relationship with you. The, the, but what I would advise is again, having a point of view whether it be in a post or other, other places, you can also you know, include them at whoever it is. And if it's something that's particularly relevant to them, they're gonna see that. Hmm. They're gonna see that. So if it's a company, there's somebody on the back end that's manning their LinkedIn activity and they're gonna see that. They're gonna find it in the notification and you'll be able to catch the attention of any of these people, whether it's a recruiter or a hiring manager, but you wanna be sure to use it discerningly and strategically. It's not, you're not just gonna litter their names all over the place. You wanna be, you wanna be smart about it and you want to catch the attention when you have something either controversial or something that is oppositional that you can, that you can share or something that, that they may not know about. Um, like for example, yesterday in, in one of my posts, I was talking about the power of using a PS, a postscript mm -hmm. at the end of an email. And I actually sent it to a, a, a colleague of mine who is a very, very um, experienced resume writer. And she did not know this. And so I, I actually uh, reached out to her on instant message. I'm like, hey, check out my post. This might be of interest to you. And her comment back was mind blown. You know, she did not know what I had known and it's more in her camp than it is actually in mine. But, you know, that's a way that big aha moment can also be a great and generous way to share what you have to serve somebody else. So what I hear you saying is basically um, uh, make sure that you becoming visible to those important people, probably not uh, straight away you know, jump on a connecting with somebody, but uh, but probably start with uh, some type of uh, level of engagement, perhaps uh, liking the com posting, uh, you know, commenting on their post, uh, things like that. Because I guess I reckon that, you know, you're becoming more visible uh, to them. And then that that maybe that connection afterwards might be easier for you as well as a as a job seeker. Right. Ha absolutely. And you really nailed it because I say to clients all the time, you cannot be found by the people you want to find you if you are invisible. Mm. And so being visible means you also need to be consistent with your visibility. Once a week is probably not going to work. 
-hmm. You know, it's, 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 there's just too much activity on the platform for, for there to be, you know, infrequent kind of, you know, ins information. It needs to have some level of consistency so that you develop a level of reliability and trust. So people know that, you know, you're, you're in this for the long haul. Yeah. And actually, um, we were we were chatting with um, with few few um, LinkedIn experts um, the other day, and we were we were saying that basically some some people they struggle with the content, and um, you probably don't because you're posting six times <laughs> six times a week, which is fantastic. Um, uh, but you know, if you start commenting on somebody somebody else's post, that's actually your th those are your first steps in in creating a content, because you know actually sometimes your post. Uh, which you you know you create a you create a post maybe you know people will not 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 that many people will see it not, not that many people will engage with it but if you comment on somebody else's post I guarantee you that the person who wrote the post definitely is gonna see that yeah so so I think that's that's the first step how to create start creating content right absolutely and I do struggle even though I'm posting on a regular basis I still you know trip up and choke. I'm like, what am I going to write today? You know, I have those moments too. And I think that that's, that's okay. And I can get inspired by, you know, watching a movie or reading a book or, you know, today it was, it was a light post, but, you know, just like everything else, sometimes there's a rotation and I, and I do use a content calendar. So I'm able to provide different types of content um, every week. You know, maybe one, one day it's a personal story. Maybe one day I usually use Fridays as my shout out day. It's the end of the week. It's a little bit lighter. Lots of people do that. But I like to go back and thank all the people, you know, that I have met that week or, you know, great activity that's happened with, you know, people in their job search. So, you know, you can mix it up and you can declare what it is that you want. You know, maybe Tuesdays are your day to talk about, you know, something outrageous that happened in your industry or uh, any, anything, you, but mixing it up is also a way to kind of free your mind in terms of how to, you know, offer different types of, of, of content and, and, and creation that is going to keep your audience engaged. Mm -hmm. Lauren, uh, what type of content works uh, for you um, or for your audience, for that matter? It's funny because there is a there is a, a tool called Shield. I do not use it, but I am tracking my content every day, and the content that seems to outperform all others are personal stories, mm -hmm. and it's um it's remarkable to me because those are usually the ones that i think oh this is gonna this is gonna really like this is gonna bomb you know like nobody wants to hear about this and those are always the ones that blow up i'm like oh my goodness how did that happen so uh it's it's you have to test it and be patient because the and you know this better than anybody right the algorithms change um and the way that linkedin the, the, the vanity metrics can be very deceptive. We think, oh my goodness, you know, I have all this activity, I have all these views, all these people are commenting, that's gonna convert into, for a job seeker, oh, that means that I'm gonna get more calls from hiring managers. Oh, that means as a business owner, I'm gonna get more leads. 
but that doesn't always, it doesn't always work that way. They don't always talk to each other. Oftentimes they don't. Some of my least performing posts have yielded more results. Um, and you never know who's, who's looking, but not commenting, who's lurking. So it don't get hung up on the vanity metrics. Um, I'm guilty of that. I'm like, oh, it did horribly today. And you know, then there's always another day. <laughs> yeah, quality, quality uh, versus quantity, right? That's so. That's always, always the thing. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's very, very interesting. Um, what about the new features on on LinkedIn? I mean, are you using LinkedIn Stories? Um, um, are you using polls? Are you using some? I mean, polls are returning actually thing. But uh, what about what about these these new LinkedIn features? Um, um, are, so, are you happy with them? Um, I am not. A, I'm not like a big adopter of stories. And that's mostly uh, because of my time. And so I'm investing time in my, in my, my posts every day. I, I've dabbled in it. I'm, I'm not necessarily uh, in a place where I'm able to say I love it or I don't love it. The, the new features that I use the most are, I do an occasional poll, yes. And I also use the voicemail feature. I think that's awesome. Some people don't like it. I believe that it's a, it is a uh, platform of relationships. And so if I have an opportunity, given the fact that I have some rapport with this person, yes, absolutely. You know, I'll leave them a message and, or if I saw them on a, on a live show and I really enjoyed it, I'll go back and say, you know, what I really loved about your live show was blah, 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 blah. And so I think it's fun. I think it's uh, offers a lot more uh, humanity than just a bunch of text. Some people love it, some people don't. I also really do like the pronunciation. My last name is very hard to say. So if you have a, a last name that is difficult, in the, in, in the States, people think it's grief. Oh. Um, but it's, it's, it's grief, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So here, here, everybody says it wrong. So um, probably don't want to work with somebody who's mispronouncing their name, calling, calling you Lauren grief. That would not make for a great day. So, you know, I, I definitely use the pronunciation feature and um, I mean, those are, those are the primary ones. A lot of the search tools, you did mention the open to work feature, the green circle. I will say I'm not a fan. I, I, I think that it, while people say that it's helpful and it clearly is a good alerting message, you know, it's a, it's an, it indicates, I don't think it puts the candidate in a great light because it's, it's pretty obvious to recruiters if you are not at that company, even if you're saying present, you will still come across as a passive candidate. And in the eyes of a recruiter or even a hiring manager, perceptually a passive candidate is always gonna be of perceived greater value. Hmm. So I, I don't think it needs to necessarily be an announcement. Sure. So that's, that's just my opinion. I know some people feel differently. I see a lot of people doing it. I, I see a lot of people doing it and they have been doing it for a while, which also reinforces that it's not necessarily working. Mm. So basically you, you, you kind of like come across to uh, as, as a bit of needy or, or you know, yes, desperate, 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 things like that. Desperate. 
And that's the first thing that they think of when they see your profile, open to work. I want them to think of your value. I want them to think of your amazingness and all the things that you've done, not just that you're like out there on the market. Right. So you would not necessarily to put like, you know, sometimes I see the profiles on a LinkedIn and then it says in a headline, it says, uh, you know, job seeking or, or something like this. You wouldn't put it there, right? No, mm -hmm. no, because the, the law of scarcity basically says, you, you know, that there's some kind of shortage for great people. You want to be seen as one of the, um, you want your value, what you do, what you provide, who you are to come shining through. And there's lots of ways to do that. Not just, you know, I'm somebody who's available. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and I know that uh, you provide some, some like a high level services for the senior creatives uh, and you mentioned that already. Uh, can you just explain a little bit more about, about because, because it's, it's a very specific, specific um, uh, service you do, right? Yes. So uh, as I mentioned, I've been in corporate America for over 35 years. It seems like a long time, but at the same time, not at all because that the industry has just changed so much and I, I've been able to see all of its very many uh, transformations. And I've been working, placing senior level creatives and marketers in enterprise level organizations, Fortune 100s, direct to consumer, startups. Uh, I've covered a lot of ground. And so I speak design, I speak their language. I, 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 like, the, I like that audience because uh, I believe that marketers and creatives really are some of the best leaders. I mean, you take a, a Stephen Jobs, you, you, take, you take all these amazing, amazing minds that are forced to be incredibly resourceful, integrate information from users, you know, come up with executions that we remember and we you know, admire and adore, brands that we have relationships with. So this is an audience that I feel very strongly about and most of them, uh, ironically, have a very hard time marketing and being creative about their own searches. So, you know, it's kind of like they're really good at marketing everybody else's products and services. But when they come to themselves, that's usually where they, they have shared how much they suffer. They don't know how to express their own stories. So I have two programs. I have a one-on-one -on -one program, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program that works over the course of 12 weeks. And I also, to my earlier point, have a group program. And they, both of them, you know, work very synchronicity, synchronicity, synch <laughs> in synchronicity with each other. I can't even say that word. Um, but my point is, is that they are also building off of each other's networks. So somebody I had uh, a set, couple sessions ago who was from Latvia, who was, you know, getting leads from or getting referrals from people in California. And, and it just is an, a real multiplier and amplifier of how to share the experience, how to have other people cheerlead for you or get the kinks out of your, 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 your value propositions in times when 
you probably don't want to necessarily burden your family with it. And you, you just need an outside, reliable, objective year. So both of those programs have been ginormously successful. And my clients are, are, are landing really, really choice opportunities. I have close to a 70%, 68% of all of my clients have landed their mm. choice opportunities, most of them under, in under 12 weeks. Sure. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, talking about successes, I actually wanted to ask you, what are you proud of? Um, what kind of accomplishments you can, you can share with us? Hmm. That's so, such a generous question. Um, what I am most proud of are, are my clients. I, I live for their success. I literally, I, I am never bothered by somebody saying, hey, I have a question right before this interview or, or what do you think about this or what do you think about that? So I'm, um, I, I'm a very agile troubleshooter. And so I welcome them leaning on me to help them overcome any of the, the hurdles in their, in their searches. But I have seen I just recently, this happened maybe a week ago, a woman who um, had been out of the job market for about two years. She was on an extended maternity leave. And she, when she landed her job um, at a SaaS company in, in Boston, I mean, she was crying and she was just saying, you know, how this has been the hardest two years of her life. She, couldn't imagine how she would ever kind of get to a place where she was able to not just work again, work at the capacity at a, senior, at a more senior level than she was when she left. She was concerned about losing ground and being irrelevant. And we were also able to get her a 26% increase on her salary. So you know, this was like a huge win for her. And, and I, I do dances for that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I really do. I get so excited. So I'm proud of them for staying on course. I'm proud of them for asking for help when they need it, uh, for being vulnerable and sharing their experiences so everybody else can benefit from that. I, I'm proud of them for taking risks hmm. because it's very easy to sit back and, you know, kind of play the victim role when you are a job seeker and, and really getting uncomfortable and, and, and allowing themselves to make mistakes and then continuously get back up. That, that, there's nothing more beautiful than that. Awesome. Um, I'm sure we could, uh, we could carry on for you know, a couple more hours. Um, I, need to, I need to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> and um, so before we go, of course, uh, my question always, um, where can we find a little bit more about you? Where can we send um, some of the, the listeners out there who will be listening to this and to want to you know, get in touch with you? Exactly. Um, my address is on LinkedIn. It's Lauren, L-O-R-E-N, Greif, G-R-E-I-F-F. Um, so you can find me there and my company is Portfolio Rocket. So you can always go to PortfolioRocket.com um, and you'll find me there. But uh, please, thank you to all your listeners. Let me know how I can help you in any way, shape or form. Um, feel free to comment. I will comment back. I'm, you know, if you're going to spend time reading anything, of course, I want to acknowledge you and, and thank you. And, and thank you specifically for inviting me to your show and 
taking a risk with me. <laughs> there was no risk in it at all. Uh, Lauren, thank you very much uh, for your time. It was, um, um, it was fabulous. Um, awesome, awesome to spend time with you, chatting with you. And I hope that um, yeah, uh, soon again, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, invite you for, to, our, to our LinkedIn podcast, LinkedIn Smart Podcast again. Thank you very much. I loved it. Thank you so much, Aitai. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.